You're listening to What's the Difference, a podcast about living with invisible disabilities and kicking ass at life. We want to inform you that this episode was filmed prior to the coronavirus being declared a pandemic. As a result, this was the last time all of us were in the same room together. This was recorded on March 7th. We still want to bring you this episode. It's all about relationships. We hope you enjoy it. And if you have any questions, you can email us at what's the difference podcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on Instagram or Facebook. Enjoy the episode. Cynthia, Sam, Stacy, and of course I'm Jackie. And today what we're going to be focusing on is relationships and how, and in particular romantic relationships, because we spoke in our last episode about relationships with our parents and our families and also some of the challenges that we encountered in the school system. So today it's going to be more of a focus on how have our romantic lives been impacted by the challenges that we deal with. And I don't know who wants to start. I'm always glad to go first, but I feel like why I should go first. Why don't you go first? You want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, why not? Okay. You guys are really putting me on the spot. Come on, why don't you start with like first boyfriends or first, like first relationships? Okay, so I feel like, like that's a good Okay, so point. my first, the first time I ever went on a date was when I was almost mm-hmm. 20 because people were really annoyed with me and probably because they didn't really understand why I was the way I was. A lot of my behaviors growing up were kind of influenced by the way I grew up uh, with a disability, which was I was sheltered from a lot of other kids because of the germ factor. I couldn't be near a lot of other kids because of worries about spreading illnesses. So I spent most of my life interacting with adults. So I never really had a lot of friends at school till I was in university is when I started having a lot of friends. Uh, so I was kind of very socially awkward and there were boys that I liked in high school, but it never amounted to more than me telling them that I liked them. And they were like, okay, thanks. And that was it, which was, you know, when you're in a teenager, that's absolutely devastating. Am I not right? Hey, at least you were able to tell them that you liked them. I had like, there were guys I liked in high school. They lived in, they, they went to school, the boys school next door to us and I just didn't have the guts. <laughs> It was, well, after the first guy kind of said thank you, and then I found out the next day he had a girlfriend, um, I stopped doing that. I stopped doing that, and the next thing that happened was, I think, I was in OAC, so what, what, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, OAC is like grade 13 that Ontario had until 2003, and then it was phased out, and I was the last year that actually had OAC. So in OAC, the last two weeks of OAC, I found this guy who I suddenly fell madly in love with because that's what my 18-year-old self thought. And he barely knew I existed. And then I spent the last few days of high school just crying my eyes out because he didn't <laughs> like me. But anyway, moving on, it was it took until the end of first year for me to meet a guy that I actually asked out on a date. We went out a couple times. I was madly crazy head over heels over him, but he was head over heels over Jesus. And so I found that out on our second date and it was a little bit, you know, um, yeah, disturbing to me because I, <laughs> disturbing because I had spent all this mental energy on imagining us together and imagining the first kiss and all that. And well, that never happened except that he was still cuddling with me and told me, this was the funny thing. He told me that I reminded him of his little sister. Yeah. So that was my first experience <laughs> dating. And that's then it, fun. Then I think my first boyfriend was a few months later after that. So there's your brother. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. And his name was Alejandro, by the way. His name was Alejandro. 
Alejandro. Yes, but then he, I unfortunately didn't really understand where he was coming from, and it led to a big yeah. misunderstanding. And it was your first, yeah, right. So it like my anything first. can like, can be the smallest thing yeah. that like tips you off, and you're like ah, and then you just run back into a hole, and, and, and you're like I don't want to do this. And the thing is, he could, should have kind of figured out that I was interested in him that way, but. That really had nothing to do with my disability in the end because this was just my first experience and I don't even know if he knew I had a heart condition. I have no idea. But then my first boyfriend, um, who was verbally abusive, uh, I stayed with him for six months because at the time I didn't think I could find anything better. And I mean, I know he's happily married now and has moved on and I've actually seen him. I saw him a few years ago walking out of my neighborhood, which was really weird because I hadn't seen him since I broke up with him in 2005. So... But he definitely was t- tried to take control over me because of my disability. He would tell me I had to shave a certain way. He would tell me that he didn't want me with his friends because they might do something that I wouldn't get, you know, that wouldn't be good for me. Or he would tell me at one point we were hanging out and I told someone about my heart condition and my lung condition. And then after he got really mad at me for t- talking about my disability mm-hmm. in front of somebody that he knew. And there was one night that I remember I started getting a lot of heart palpitations. And this is something that's pretty normal for me. I'll go through phases where I get really bad heart palpitations. And it's scary. I mean, anybody who has them as an adult, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. terrifying when your heart races. Um, And even people with normal hearts can get that. We were going to hang out the entire night and he didn't want to deal with it. So he drove me back to my parents' house because he just didn't want to deal with me having heart palpitations. Mm -hmm. So it was little things like that. And he was very verbally abusive. And his only, the only nice thing he said to me came with an insult, which was, you're so beautiful, but you don't listen. And um, of course, you know, when you're 20 and it's your first relationship, it's hard mm-hmm. to see that. But um, I've got a lot of stories after that, ha- you know, from, from after that relationship, which I can go into after. But let's hear from the rest of you first, because I've just monopolized like at least five <laughs> minutes. So yeah. you want to start Okay. Um, I never had real relationships like that lasted more than three or four dates until I met the guy who is now my husband. I was very, very shy throughout middle and high school, uh, partly because of the year I spent in Bermuda that basically destroyed all my self-confidence. Um, and when I came back, and when I was there and when I came back, I was at an all-girls school. Even though the boys' school is right next door, I never really did um, anything with the guys there. As I always, There was always this fear from my grandmother especially, who basically told me good Chinese girls don't go to dances. Even though I really wanted to go to a school dance in grade seven and in grade eight, I didn't go. Is I There was a fear that my grandmother would think I'm a bad girl. So I went to my first dance, school dance in grade 10, and I didn't even get to dance with any of the guys. They didn't ask me. And yeah, keep in mind, I had a really horrible acne situation at that time so that even when if it's covered up i think they kind of knew so they didn't ask me and i didn't have the guts to ask any of them so i didn't really date at all in high school although a boy did kiss me when i was maybe 17 or 18 i was in a play very awkward it was like sort of at rehearsal backstage kind of a thing and i think he had a crush on me but um he in he was okay. <laughs> was it like part of, of like a script or was no, it like no, no, no. It was backstage. Oh, so it was just for re- like let's rehearse. And then- no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, then, and then there was a whole drought um, from that point until fourth year university, and uh, I didn't ask guys out at that time in university, and there were really weren't really that many guys anyway. I was a drama and history major, and in drama, the few guys there, I think a lot of them liked guys too. 
Yeah. So <laughs> you probably you probably had to like be like, oh, you no, I want him. No, you want him. No, I want him. And yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So and then and and um and then like the other guys were like in history, uh, were, they were okay, but like, I, I didn't have the guts. I really probably could have had a summer romance when I was away in the UK. My university, I went to Queens and we have a castle, Hurstmonceau Castle in um, Southeast England. And I spent two months there and I could have had a boyfriend, I guess, but again, super shy. And I also think a lot of them were already taken anyway. So the kiss didn't really come until fourth year. It was at a charity dance. And um, I was dancing with this guy and we just suddenly started kissing. And that was that. I never really saw him again. That's how it works. He was in third year anyway. I had one of those. <laughs> Let's see what happened after that. Then there was a whole drought. I met some guys I did go out on dates after that really nothing lasted more than three or four months until I met the guy who's now my husband and you've been married 10 years almost right? 10 almost years five. 10 years in August yes yeah so that's, that's pretty so cool exciting. was there anything that you think was influenced by the fact that you were worried about your seizures or you were worried about no no I you never I, got to that point never really got to that point where you had the conversation yeah yeah like most of the guys before my husband I guess it lasted like three dates, like as long enough for me to kiss them kind of a thing. Yeah. So, so what happened when you told your husband? Nothing. He was, was like, like, yeah, yeah sure. that's cool. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. what's, and that's what's different when you meet the right person, mm -hmm. you know, that they're just going to say, yeah, that's, that's cool. Totally mm -hmm. cool. How, how long, how far along were you with him when you told him? Maybe the second date. Like, I, Cause I knew there was some sort of thing. So I, I was thing. very like a click. Oh, there I was like a... <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> so, so yeah, so I knew that it was gonna be long term, so I was I was pretty open. You pretty already early. knew on the first day, on the second, second date, second, third, I don't remember. Wow, I feel wow. like you don't, yeah. I, I don't get when people say, like, oh, it's the one like you're gonna get married, but I feel like women usually know if it's like a yeah. more serious. Yes, when mm -hmm. I met my husband, my husband, by the way, I don't say his name because he asked me not to, no, because like. Let's give him a name like Barney. Barney. <laughs> oh my god, he hates the Barney song. He hates this shit. Okay. Okay, let's let's call him. How about Bert? Bert. I like Bruce. It reminds me of Bruce. Bur a burp. He burps a lot. So let's call him Bert. Bert okay. the burper. Burp or Bert? Yeah. So burp. my sorry. I, I might call him Burp. <laughs> like okay by mistake. So okay. Me. Anyway, so burp. <laughs> I feel like he's gonna be listening to this and be like, "Wow, I wish you just used my actual name." And people with challenges can have a lot of fun too. Oh. So um, when so I met Burp for the first time, he. <laughs> I wonder how many listeners at this point oh. have burst out laughing themselves. <laughs> Trees, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And he was just like, 
he was the most interesting person in the like outside of the party but then still like i was just trying to get away from him and the more i tried to get away he was running towards me i'm just like and then i when i when i got home i'm just i tell my mom so i was at this party and there was this dude that like wouldn't leave me alone <laughs> and now he's my and husband now he's your husband <laughs> but that's now- kind of what a husband is now <laughs> you're just like oh go away <laughs> Because what, how was, has your disability influenced your dating life? Which one? <laughs> uh, and like the whole package. Yeah. The whole, because all of us are like the whole package, right? So. Yeah. It's kind of a very complicated uh, situation because I have physical disability. Some people see it and some people don't. Just like yeah. you, Jackie, you don't, didn't notice. Although unless they, yeah, and, and the same with me. If they look at my scar, they could probably see I have a disability. But. Yeah, and actually... Uh, when I met you, I didn't notice. Yeah. And and Ernie like was <laughs> was uh, looking at Facebook, and he's and he's like, "Oh, did you notice that this girl that we met has a scar?" And I'm like, "What? No, no." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so anyway, so some people see my disability, and some people don't. Uh, same thing with a lot of men. I didn't say to a lot of people that. I had a disability in the first place, but they when they realize themselves, they walk away. And I'm talking about dates. Yeah. And uh, so some of the dates I wouldn't see after the first or second date either. Uh, there were cases where I was sexually assaulted. There were cases I was in two abusive relationships. I was verbally abused. I was physically abused. I was emotionally abused, etc., etc. Uh, this is not something that I'm really ready to speak about in detail but I am writing about it which is another which is another way to talk to cope with depression but that's a whole other story I actually dated someone who has who had Asperger's that's didn't affect from like my my disability anyway he knew about it um he was okay with it but I didn't know about his own diagnosis which affected our breakup and we broke up because of his actions and then I found out after that it was because of his disability. So we ended up breaking up unknowingly because of Asperger's. Yeah. And so because of my experiences with dating, I decided that on the first date, I would tell Ernie. <laughs> Still trying to get used to that name. Ernie. Oh, Ernie. <laughs> Sorry. Does, does that make you Bert? <laughs> I decided on the first date that I would tell him. I would be uh, honest with him and I would say, hey, I have cerebral palsy. I gave him a link to Wikipedia explaining to him what it is. He, he, he read of it and I gave him a, cho- a choice to leave. He fully decided to stay. And that was without his father's approval, which is a whole other story, I think. For yes. uh, Don't forget to, at the end, we are going to talk a little bit about your book at the end of the episode. So yeah. we will talk about that, but it's definitely something that you'll be discussing in more detail as we go along in our journeys here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything was great when it comes to cerebral palsy. He kind of learned as we went, especially after we moved in together. Because you don't, they say you don't really get to know a person un- until they move in together. And that is absolutely true. Like he only started to realize how it affects my daily life. Mm-hmm. once we moved in what was harder for him was when i was diagnosed with epilepsy and depression 
because he was so he was already used to seeing me as a person with a cerebral palsy and me being quote-unquote normal whereas i was just becoming this very different person like all the things that i used to be able to do i couldn't do anymore mm -hmm. all the things that i was used to enjoy i wasn't enjoying anymore like he was seeing me having like i was having 50 seizures a day at one point and he was seeing me suffer for uh that amount of time so that could be hard on the other person as, as well too i suppose and that put a lot of strain on our well we were engaged at that point so that could say like we didn't have a really good engagement <laughs> and that's usually i've heard from a lot of people that can be the most stressful year in your entire relationship is the year that you're engaged yeah, yeah. <coughs> but she's doing like the wedding planning and all that stuff like it's a big stress no, yeah so so on, on, when we were engaged we were uh doing wedding planning we were business owners and we were in and out of doctor's appointments fun so oh, fun so fun yeah. yes our first year of marriage was me having 50 seizures a day getting worse and worse and like epilepsy is not just about the seizures it's about mentally being there with the person i was mentally there so that put a real strain on, on our marriage too i don't know how we was some together. of this affected by your meds the meds that you were on trial like trying um different... i was really misdiagnosed by uh previous neurologist mm -hmm. and I was giving the I was given the cheapest drugs because at the time I wasn't really working so my doctor's solution was to give me the cheapest drugs and not giving me the right proper treatment that I was supposed to have and my new neurologist said that like after I told him everything that had happened with me and how I was treated he was looking at me and he's like I don't know how you stayed alive like you're not supposed to be here I guess somebody wants me to be here <laughs> here I am um, so all that on top of it all all of that that had happened because of our relationship troubles and me having endless seizures and not being able to live a normal life and not being able to work and everything else and as well as my past it really took a toll on me mentally and my mental health and then I started having depression which is another thing to be concerned about and be able to adjust to and so he's like uh, a while ago we were having this conversation he's like i don't know what to do like i don't know how to help you i look at you and i'm like first of all i don't know you and i can't help you all of that in perspective makes you realize that that my relationship with my health is more important to me than my relationship with my husband because if i don't have a good relationship with my health and with myself I will not have a good relationship with my husband, my partner. Same with everyone else around me. Like, I have to take so care of myself first and not my husband and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So, we haven't heard from Sam yet. <laughs> so, <Excuse me>. so <laughs> Sam, let's hear about your dating life and how, <laughs> and how like... <laughs> Because I'm sure we've all had the stories and we, we all can relate to each other in this way. So how it, has your vision kind of been, you know, how has that impacted your dating it's life? It's interesting because relationships, it's kind of funny because like all of my boyfriends are like relationships that went on to be more serious. They all kind of knew beforehand. So my very first boyfriend was actually someone that I grew up with. He was in my main group of friends from karate. We had like grown up training together. I had known him for a few years. And we ended up going to the same high school and we hadn't been in the same elementary school And I was kind of excited because there was a few other people from karate that were at this high school This is an art school so you could apply for like music dance drama, whatever 
as he was a drummer, I was very infatuated with that when I was younger. It's the drummer, um, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, ooh, he's crazy. He hits the right notes. Um, yeah. Every time. Yeah. But yeah, like he, so he kind of knew, like he was familiar with it. He, it didn't really phase him. And I also like when you're like 15, 16, like there wasn't much, I guess, cause he had known for so long and he, it just had been a part of it. Like he kind of knew what to expect like he and if i just said like oh i i just can't see that or what's this like he was right on it he'd be like oh it's you know this color or that sign says this or blah 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 like it it wasn't new to him whereas i found after that when i sort of started getting into college or i started doing the whole like tinder or bumble circle of joy there oh i'm so glad in some ways that i did not grow up during that time because that would have stressed me up so much more than i ever well i did meet my husband online back in like 2005 but tinder's a whole other animal yeah true. it's a whole other animal they're like quite a few people like met like either through chat rooms or like groups and stuff and at least there like it was conversation based like you met somebody based Mm -hmm. on like a similar interest or a hobby or whatever whereas like tinder and bumble and all of those apps is just it's all physical so with that i was what was kind of a struggle for me was like okay i'm a blind woman i'm gonna go on a date and like sometimes i may be uncertain if it's the same guy in the photo like Something you know I never said, yeah, something I never you think about. second guess because you're like, well, is this just because I'm not, you know, like, yeah. I can't tell if his eyes are blue and not brown. I can't tell if maybe he's more of a sandy blonde than black hair, like complexion. Maybe he looked paler in front. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I may not notice if the photo is 10 years old because I don't notice things like wrinkles or just like certain stress on on skin that ages somebody i don't pick up on that so as much as people are like hee 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 i look beautiful forever it's also when you're in that scenario and you know when you were younger you'd be like oh just don't meet a stranger but with my generation like if you are dating in the which is how everybody dates because even if you try to hit some guy up at a bar chances are he's on his phone swiping while you're trying yeah while you're trying to talk to him anyway so like it's kind of complicated. So I, I was very smart about it. I played very safe, especially with the karate background. Like I always told a girlfriend like, Hey, I, I tried not to tell my parents too much just cause I didn't want to put them through that stress all the time. But I did make sure like my roommates or one of my girlfriends from college or like somebody knew I was like, Hey, if you don't hear from me tomorrow, I may be kidnapped. I may have gotten murdered on this date that I'm going on. We don't know. I wouldn't go to like secondary places. If I did, it was somewhere like I had pre-picked out. Or if we went downtown, I would try to pick like an area I knew, like I pre-familiarized myself with places. Sometimes I would put it on my profile. Like I kind of went through a phase. There was a few months where I had it on there and that always led to like weird questions. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point in time where I didn't have it on there. And like, that was kind of weird. Cause then sometimes you, you have to like bring it up and bringing it up with a stranger that you're on a date with is a little weirder. So I think I just kept it on my profile. It was just easier that way. Even if you attract a couple weirdos, personally, I'd rather like weed out the weirdos online than like in person alone in a bar. Like, yeah. it just makes more sense that way. Yeah. And now you've been in a relationship for almost a year and a half. A year and a half, yeah. This and month, yeah, and yeah. How, how did your boyfriend find out? Like, did you tell him? Like, that's actually a great story. So we worked together part time, and I had maybe been there for probably a year around when him and I sort of like got together. I had known him a little. I had kind of like peeked at him a few times and I didn't find this out until after but apparently on my way to work since I use my cane my white cane sometimes or I'll pull it out like at an intersection when I'm about to cross just so that other cars know that like hey if I cross at the wrong time I'm not just a jackass 
that wants to cross <laughs> whatever she wants. I just you're not just a Toronto person. Yeah, I'm not. A normal person from the GTA. I'm a. I'm yeah. So as I was crossing, one of the guys we worked with was in his truck and was like, holy shit, this girl we work with is blind. And then he went in, I felt like I said, I found this out way later. And he went into the maintenance, like I guess their room, their lunch room, their space, whatever it was. And was like, did you guys know that Sam is blind? <laughs> and I guess the, the guy that I'm now dating was like, what? And they just all kind of like had this little freak out. And then I, I, and I had slowly mentioned it to people. I think some people knew already, but I think it sort of sunk in when they saw that yeah. so he kind of knew I don't know if he really got the extent of it at one point he even said he's like oh I thought you would use your cane more when we started dating but like it depends on where we're going and like he always sees me in comfortable places so mm -hmm. that's even a hard thing Bernie, to do actually uh <laughs> It's such a horrible name. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll, give him a, we'll give him a different name in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I like burp more. <laughs> we can go with burp. Anyway. So. Um, You'll just have to be mad. Sexy burp. <laughs> so we were talking about like the whole podcast thing and he met you and everything. Mm -hmm. And he asked me like, what is this girl doing there? Like what does, the yeah. disability does she mm -hmm. have? And I tell him she's blind. No, she's not. <laughs> does she walk into walls? People get so confused. They do. <laughs> And even I did. so confused. And I was even saying me too. Remember like what's when so I first met funny, you? Yeah. And what's so funny to me is that like so many other things like race and sexuality, people have come to, and maybe this is like a Toronto, Canada bubble, but so many people agree that those things are on a spectrum. Like you can be bi. Some people think being bi isn't real. And so I kind of relate being visually impaired to being like a bi person. Cause it's like that one people think, oh, you're just a lesbian or you're just straight it, or you're yeah. just gay or just straight. It's like this weird middle area that people don't understand cause they can't put it in one label or another. Yeah, see, I think that one is also the generational thing. Yeah. And yeah. they're Cultural not, willing, yeah. not yeah. willing to learn. Well, and to be fair, like in the old days, if you had any kind of disability, like even for me, so my, what's interesting is so my condition is genetic meaning like it's passed down through both sides of my family yeah my mom always says that there was somebody that her mom talked about in their town in Italy and how he struggled with light and he couldn't go outside all the time and he didn't really see very well and if I think about it like that's kind of how you would explain my condition if I lived in a mountain in Italy in the 60s and there was no ophthalmologist or optometrist to give me a diagnosis. Like, if it took so long, like in the 90s, if it took yeah. four or five doctors to figure it out, what about in a country where you don't have as many resources? Like, of course, it would just kind of come, oh, you're just odd. You know how many people are like, oh, I just thought you were weird. And I'm uh, like, yeah, I have congenital weirdness. Like, what what does that mean? But, but yeah, so these I, little quirks that people don't. I'm gonna come back to that in a second. That's yeah. something I struggled with before I was diagnosed with epilepsy, because like I always thought that like it was easier to live with an invisible disability than it was with living with a physical disability. Because mm -hmm. like to me, it's like I'm always trying to hide my physical disability. That was like my goal in life to mm -hmm. like make it invisible. And then as I got to know more people with invisible disabilities, I realized like, well, at least like people understand why I am the way I am, mm -hmm. right? Like that people understand why I can't go to certain places because that could be physically hard for me or something. Mm -hmm. Or, and like when I was diagnosed with epilepsy, I couldn't go to clubs anymore. So it's like, mm -hmm. people don't understand why I can't go to clubs. It's like, oh no, you'll deal with it. I'm like, no, I won't. Okay. <laughs> no, no, because when the flashing lights yeah. come on, yeah. you can't. And then you like, can't. 
and yeah. the music. And it's, it's, it's so it's funny where people are willing to tell you what you can deal with. Yeah. Like, you've been in your body for how many years? Like, you're an adult. Even as a kid, like, it's weird that these people without any lived experience whatsoever are like, oh, it's okay, just cross the road without looking. You'll be fine. Like, no, I will not. I will not be fine, Carol, when I get hit by a car. Like, it yeah. just, <laughs> it will not be, it will be okay. No. And I have the same thing with depression too. Like, I have a close friend that's like newbie at the exact time that I was starting to have all my issues. And we became close and everything. And she was telling me like, I think I was, I was saying it in the first episode, like, she was like telling me oh you're not depressed it's okay like you're, you're yeah but try coming from a culture where they say it's a middle-class invention that too oh, um so i'm just like i had a serious talk with her and it's like you either learn or shut the fuck up yeah uh i mean you speaking of the whole middle class you know invention and all that i think also in older generations in their time they didn't have time for depression because for example yeah. they were in the depression were, in yeah. the 30s yeah. so they might have been depressed but they were too busy working and trying to make that last you know penny just to actually live their lives or, or you know survive uh, something like depression or anxiety or anything like that is we're more aware of it in this generation just because we have the technology that actually first of all the technology is probably what is causing some of our depression and anxiety <laughs> for um, me for sure yeah, so, but it, it's different now. Like, it's, you know, people who come from war-torn countries, they might be fine in their own country and they might be dealing with things fine because they're in the midst of it. And then they'll come to, they'll immigrate to Canada and they'll suddenly be hit with post-traumatic stress disorder because everything, now that they're safe, everything that happened, and I mean, this is just my guess, I could be completely wrong, but I would imagine that for someone who's been through that and they come to Canada and they're finally safe and then suddenly it hits them, all the reality of what they were what they were living in and it's just really really it's hard. also the stress of yeah. uh, adjusting to a new country yeah. language yada yeah. yada so i mean like it could be anything really i've have many friends with depression and anxiety i have numerous family members with depression and anxiety and they all have very different reasons so it's like it's not just like one reason or yeah. another it could be like 50 reasons and there could be 50 other way 50 ways of coping with it so like what works for like one person a might not work for person b right and that so. brings me back kind of to the original like when i was talking about my first boyfriend and one of the times i actually admitted to him that i have obsessive compulsive disorder which something that i thought i grew out of but apparently my psychiatrist told me yesterday that i still have it so it actually makes me feel a bit better because it explains a lot that's going on in my head but i told that boyfriend that i had obsessive compulsive disorder and his first words to me were like oh well then you're never gonna get better and it's just like thanks a lot but thanks a lot and then you know I wish you could see my face right now yeah yeah no and, and so it's sort of like that and then you know I think my second boyfriend had mental health issues as well but he wouldn't have admitted it and um, that's a yeah. big problem in relationships mm -hmm. that is and my second boyfriend also um and I, to this day, I still remember him the most fondly of any of my exes because he was just a really good guy, but we were not compatible on that level. And I remember telling him that I didn't know if I could have kids and then I might have to adopt. At the time, we didn't know about surrogacy. It wasn't really a thing that anybody talked about. And he said to me, I can't adopt. I need to have a natural child. And I said to him, well, I might not be able to give you one. And our relationship ended about two months after that. And that wasn't the main reason it ended. It ended for other reasons as well. But that definitely is something that impacts relationships. If you're having the talk about kids and if like, let's say you can't have kids, and people will say, well then, bye, see ya. And I had, I had after that first boyfriend, I think I had three other boyfriends before I met my husband and like a couple of flings. And I can't tell you how many times I was 
ghosted because of my medical condition. And it was horribly maddening and very upsetting because I was honest with people. I was honest with people and maybe I shouldn't have been, but I remember one instance where as soon as I told the guy that I had a medical condition, he was talking about like having a, a third date and I thought I, we really liked each other. And then I told him about my medical condition and then he dumped me. There was one guy that I had a fling with and I remember him saying, well, I guess we can't have sex in certain positions because it might hurt you. And what? I was going, no, that has nothing to do with my heart condition. What are you talking about? There was another guy too that, and I think this was the one that stood out to me the most, which was the most disturbing. And it was about six months before I met my husband and I was going through a bad time. My grandfather had just died and I was very close to my grandfather. So it was really tough on me. And I had a wisdom tooth infection. And anybody knows who still has their wisdom teeth that a wisdom tooth infection is extremely painful. And I had told- Glad this, I got mine taken out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, for me it's a risk to take them out because of my heart condition. So I have to be careful mm. and trying to keep them in and not infected is probably the best way to go. And so what happened was this guy, I guess I had told him about my disabilities and he knew also that I was having trouble eating because I couldn't chew, my teeth hurt so much. And he just said, well, you're just a fragile, you're just, you're just about to break apart. And and I was ready to kill him. I didn't. Obviously, since you're not in jail. I'm not in jail, I did not kill him. <laughs> but I did the next day after, because he said a bunch of nasty things to me that night, including telling me that I was a tease sexually just to bother him. You know, guys use that for power and control. And so the next day I dumped him and he was seemed quite happy with that. And then a couple years later, he tried to add me to LinkedIn, which Ooh. is the killer. Why the is killer. it always LinkedIn? I don't know. LinkedIn Why is all about weird on LinkedIn. Stop being weird on LinkedIn. I can't tell you how many of my ex-dates who didn't want anything to do with me because of my heart condition tried to connect with me on LinkedIn Why? after. We don't want you. No, we don't want to ever see you again. There's a reason we dumped Especially you. Especially not don't on want, We don't want you on our LinkedIn. <laughs> Get the hell out of my life. It's probably because they can't yeah. find you anywhere else or it's harder to find yeah. you anywhere else. Or they else. just can't find a job and they're like, I, Yo, I, I don't need a job. It's they so think that you can get them a job. They think, well, yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, I might have rejected you, but can you get me a job? No. no. No, I can't get you a job, fuck off. Anyway, the guy that I actually was with before before I met my husband um, sexually assaulted me. And he was also, I think a bit of, he was probably overwhelmed by my medical conditions and was like, I remember one time when I have some stomach issues, they're nothing actually diagnosed, but it's very mild. Like back then I didn't eat a lot and I was struggling to eat. And he's like, you're anorexic. And I just was ready to slap him because that's actually the one mental disability that I don't have. <laughs> I think I have everything else, but I'm not, I've never been anorexic. And so I was like, oh, thanks, add on another one. Why don't you? But then he kept insisting that he wanted to have unprotected sex with me. And I kept saying no. And then I gave in, which was horrible. And I felt horrible about it for months and months. And I still do to this day. And I, I kept saying, why didn't I just say no? And then the whole, you know, a couple of years ago, the whole Me Too movement started. And I realized it wasn't my fault. <laughs> kind of like I realized that a lot of women had been through the same thing as me. But I'm sure it was a power trip at some point. And then I dumped him. And then he kept trying to crawl back to me. I don't know why. Oh, I had a guy like that I, I dumped him um, and um, a few years later just before I met my husband he gives me a call and um, says hey you want to go out my ex-boyfriend uh, sexually assaulted me in front of my husband but wait did, did they both follow you on LinkedIn after though that's the question did they both ask no me? but they but he my ex tried to add me on Facebook constantly and he would invite me to all these lame parties that he would have at his house I don't know why I went there I probably like the whole like you know like sexual assault sur uh, survivors were just like we have we think differently and we don't think sometimes actually, we don't think you were sexually yeah, assaulted it actually shows that like it can like it can change yeah. your brain like it can change you mentally 
Yeah. yeah. It can actually change the chemical balance in your brain when you're yeah. sexually... Whether it's as a child or as an adult and or what it is, the, it, it's a traumatic yeah. experience. It Even the guy who, who I just mentioned who said earlier about how you're just so fragile, you're going to break apart, he actually sexually assaulted me as well. So I've been sexually assaulted by two different guys. And I'm not entirely sure that the, the guy who asked me, oh, can you like not do it in this position because of your heart disease... I've looked back at my diary and I think now he actually sexually assaulted me as well. You know, it's hard because you don't think of those things when you're in the moment, but now that we're kind of more all aware of everybody's experience and it's kind of out there in 2020, I realize how many of these cases where I actually, you know, I was sexually assaulted. And I think because I stopped drinking completely because a lot of the times that I was sexually assaulted at parties by my friends, friends, it was when I was drinking and yeah. like, but you shouldn't have to stop drinking because of that. It wasn't fully because of the reason I stopped. I also stopped drinking because of health reasons mm -hmm. and because I just didn't like myself when I drank. So yeah, because epilepsy meds can do a, a number on your liver. Yeah. And so I just don't like myself in that state. And a lot of the times that I was sexually assaulted and it was in front of Burp, but I realized like he's not going to be there with me all the time. No. So what I do in situations where he's not there? Because like I was sexually assaulted to the point where in front of him, where I was practically like dragged to a bedroom and he told, he yelled at the guy and then this is me and then he came to my friend he whispered this is me being nice the next time cops will be at your house but i mean again it's like my husband isn't going to be there all the time and i want to know that i'll be yeah. safe and the thing is like and you shouldn't there. have to have a man there to protect you yeah exactly. that's just it you shouldn't like the fake absence of a man like my favorite is when guys get on you at a bar and you say no 20 times and then you're like i have a boyfriend and they're like oh uh, tom i'm sorry uh, uh, uh. tell me you're sorry you bum like yeah. Yeah, no, like, don't tell him. Tell me. Like, yeah, that's like, true like, too. Yeah, at the absence, I hate, and I will, I honestly have refused, ever since I kind of like caught on to that, I have refused to use the like, pre like the fake presence of a man. Not saying that like if you're in a relationship, it's fake. But like yeah. if, if a man who isn't physically there can stop you from harassing me and I can't stop you from harassing me, like screw you. Like I will punch you in the face. Like, yeah. and, and actually like one of the men who was friend of a friend of a friend who sexually assaulted me, a lot of people, holy shit. He apologized to Burp the next day. Burp messaged him in response. Why are you, you should apologize yeah. to her. Like what the hell? Or like, if anything, is, if, okay. if you're apologizing to to the boyfriend, the husband, yeah. the partner, you can apologize, but apologize to the woman first. Yeah, because that makes it, that goes back to the traditional, like a lot of people don't know that the word rape is actually a traditional word for like stolen or damaged property. And that was back when women weren't considered people. Yeah. And so that's why sexual assault is the correct term to use. And by apologizing to the, like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, sir, that I assaulted your wife. Like, that's totally making you an object. Like, that's awful. And I don't understand how people, like, guys will apologize to other guys before they'll even think of apologizing. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm very old-fashioned. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I'm, I, this is I, this conversation alone about relationships yeah. and mm -hmm. about me and my lack of relationships is already something that I'm not yeah. comfortable talking about. And, that, and that's okay. So, and I actually was yeah. going to... 
kind of different. I was gonna try to change the topic a little bit because, um, and this is another thing that we deal with once we meet the person of our dreams, and we're like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna be with this person for life. Then there's the issue of having children. And yeah. Cynthia, you've got a really good story about this, and um, I want to hear like about me having kids or just about about your kind of. And I, we're gonna cover this in another episode. We're gonna talk about having <laughs> kids and passing on our genes to our kids, but. I want to just kind of a brief thing of what happened with your husband, kind of what happened when you told him you can't have kids necessarily the normal way and yeah, how that he was completely. It. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I told him pretty early on that if we were to marry and have a family that would be adopting because I have neurofibromatosis, which is a genetic condition that can be passed on to children, biological children. And we actually did look into adoption for a while, but that didn't work out. And uh, we now have a little boy through surrogacy, uh, gestational surrogacy. So we originally were looking at egg donors, but there aren't that many egg donors who are of East Asian heritage. There's a whole cultural thing about donating anonymously, and which we'll get into in another episode. So we ended up using a donor embryo, and our son is mixed ethnicity. So he is half Asian and half Caucasian and we're very blessed and he has and he has shocking red hair from the photos at least yes yes in, in certain light and he, it's more brown in person and in regular light yeah and so when you told when you told your husband that this is kind of what we have to do what was his first reaction I don't really remember his it was just he was just so yeah whatever that yeah it's so positive though and that's probably yeah. why you don't think of it much because it wasn't like a scarring experience yeah. it was just like a mm-hmm. natural and, like supportive and I think we all have yes we all have our horror stories here but we all have our good stories as well because all of us now are in good relationships whether we're married or dating or whatever it is we are we are happy with our current partners very very happy and I think my story was after that horrible guy who hurt me three weeks later I met my husband which was of course I didn't know at the time he was my husband to be but, <laughs> but on the first date it was one of those things again where it's like it clicked it, we clicked and I was like I know, I don't know yet if this is long-term, but I know this is at least short-term. Then day two, it was like, it was really awkward and stuff. And I was going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then day three, we sat through a movie for two hours. And of course you don't talk when you're at a movie, right? And then the funny thing was, this is when after the movie, I told him, I don't think I'm interested in a relationship right now. I was pretty scarred from the last guy. And he was like, okay. And I started telling him all about my heart condition and about my surgeries and all that. And I opened up to him and he was just listening and he was like asking good questions. And he was kind of like, well, I haven't exactly had the best dating life. And he told me about his dating struggles. And we ended up talking for two hours after this movie, sitting in Fairview Mall, which is (laughs) in Toronto for people who are not living in Toronto, but in the suburbs-ish. Suburbs-ish Toronto. We were sitting on a bench in the mall for two hours, just talking. And then we walked out to my car, sat in my car for a while longer and just talked and talked and talked. And I think I drove him back to his car and I drove home (laughs) and I told my mom and I'm like, I'm going to marry him. And it's funny. We hadn't even kissed yet. And I said, I'm going to marry this guy. I know I'm going to marry him. And then the next date was kind of when we started getting more serious. And then date six, I said, I know you're the one. And he said, I'm cool with that. Oh, that sounds like I'm my cool first with date with my, first, with my with my husband. Yeah, and like, yeah that, that's that's fine. That's if, I'm, fine. if I'm the one, you're, that, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. With my husband, now we 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 met online on a I think on a site that no longer exists. It was called Lava Life. Oh my god. <laughs> I think it's 
they met his wife on Lava Life. I'm pretty sure they and, met. And I met my husband off of like an offshoot of Plenty of Fish. So am I the only one that met my husband like in person? The only person. I her boyfriend. Well, my, mine's not a husband, but, like, but it's maybe, okay. Maybe one part a partner, a partner. A partner. Yes. So yeah. So but but at, but on on our first date, I can remember exactly where we we met in person because we were actually talking on the phone for like a month before that. I remember what I ate and what he ate, and we it was at a cafe in Yorkville that no longer exists. We just sat outside on a bench and we talked and talked and talked probably for an hour before I said I had to go because I was living with my parents at that time and I had to go home for dinner. Yeah, no, that's that's probably a lot how a lot of my dates ended too. I'm living with my parents, so I have to go home for dinner. And I think the best thing too about my husband was that he was also living at home and he's quite a bit older than me. I mean, now not so much. He's five and a half years older. But at the time, I was 27 and he was 30, going on 33. So, um, and we both lived at home, so we could kind of relate to that. And then, you know, as it kind of went on, like we knew date six, we were like, okay, this is getting serious. Two months in, I told him, I gave him the talk about, okay, I want kids, but I don't think I'm going to be able to have them the traditional way. At that point, we had considered, sur- I was considering surrogacy myself. I didn't really know a lot about it. You know, it was, this was 2011. So I didn't know a lot about it yet, but I was telling him that that was an option. And he was like, as long as we have kids, I don't care how we have kids. And I was just, oh, I'm so relieved. I am so, <laughs> so relieved because that had been such a sticking point with other mm-hmm. with other guys. Mm-hmm. So that was, at that point, I was like, okay, yeah, I can marry this guy. And then a year later we were engaged and a year after that we were married. So, oh, wow. That was, that was, we went, we it was, was fast. so different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you, earlier, Jackie, you said something about a guy ghosting you. I, I have a breakup story that was really, really interesting. Oh. Ooh. Anyway, so I, I met this guy at a party, believe it or not. I didn't meet him at a party. And uh, we went out two, three, four times maybe. And then all of a sudden, this was like, I didn't even tell him about my, my health issues. He sends me an email and says, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. I could be in Toronto. I could be in London, England. So basically that's how, that was his breakup letter for, to me. Oh, I love that. By email. And um, this was like, that's okay. I broke up 2002. This was like 2002-ish, 2003. So like people, so a lot of people were still watching Sex in the City. Okay, and um, this was actually before the um, the sticky note breakup um, on, Sex on Sex in the City. Yeah. So, oh my God, so I was like, I didn't even, I was like, did I, 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 there was no social, so I wouldn't have posted it on anywhere. I was like, how did they know? This is, yours is more interesting, writers. You had a better one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what. <laughs> yeah. Because you and I are a little bit older, so we we kind of had like email breakups before, you know. Yeah. Was like, now is it, what, do people break up on TikTok now? <laughs> I can't, hey, no. <laughs> I feel like now, like, unfortunately, if you are not in a relationship, like, I, everyone I know, like, out of all my friends, their relationships, and it's been, like, a year or five years, yeah. like, longer, longer things, or if you're in the dating quotation quotation, it's like, you just get ghosted. You know what? People complain all the time about ghosting, but, like, there has been several situations where I've tried to tell guys, like, whether you're, like, talking online and maybe you haven't met them in person and I just say, you know what? Hey, I'm not feeling this. I'm really sorry. You seem super cool, but I'm going to tap out. Like, I'm just not, not feeling it. And then they, like, get so, like, it's like they don't hear you. No, they, yeah. They don't hear you. And then when you do stop talking because you're like, okay, well, I've told you five times. I've never met you in person, so I don't oh have God, to so deal with this anymore. Then they're, like 
they get angry and they're like, oh, you're just ghosting me. And I'm like, did you not read the previous five You were nice messages? enough, you were nice enough not to ghost them. Yeah. You actually told them, I'm so not like, feeling it. Bye. As much as sometimes I, I, and I know people ghost and I'm guilty of it, especially in that weird Tinder Bumble world. Yeah. Especially if you haven't met the person. But also like, I, there are also things, I think people are normally fairly decent. It's just like everyone's, when you're into somebody, it's like hard to hear the no. Yeah. Um, and it, I actually, uh, so all my friends were like, all my single friends were complaining about like the whole dating yeah. scene and the people online. People are ruthless. People yeah. are pretty harsh. So I decided to do a little experiment with Burke's permission, obviously. He knew all about it. I made a Tinder profile. Did you find him an Ernie? <laughs> <laughs> Bert looking for Ernie. Single bachelor apartment. So I went on Very Tinder. Whatever, I, I don't remember what the hell it was, like whatever, swiped left or swiped right. First guy I talked to, he's great. He was great. He's like, he was 31 and I was like 29. So we had a two year age difference. He was in HR, just like, I mean, I'm not in HR, but I have an educational background in HR. He has his own business, just like me. Like we, he was from Israel, That he knows, he knew Russian, his parents are from Russia. That was perfect. And so he asked me out. The first guy he asked me out, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So, um, and by the way, I had a picture that, uh, I had my eyes closed and he's like he's like, I don't mean to be rude, but are you blind? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god. I feel like that's what people think you're like, where is your blind photo? And I'm like, that's not what I look like. Yeah. I think the one thing that we've all come to the conclusion here is that despite the fact that we've all had challenges, we've all led very normal dating lifestyles to the, to, to, in some portions of it. Yes, we've had to deal with adversity because of our challenges, but at the same time, we've had very normal experiences that everybody else has had in the last 20 years. Stacey, I want, you wanted to mention your book. It's called uh, 12 Years a Woman, My Journey to Happiness. And it is all about my life living with epilepsy and depression, as well as for that, all the things that had led to my depression and everything else, trauma and so on and so forth. So you'll get to see glimpses of my personal life, my family life, my relationship, my friendships, yeah. and a little bit about my business. And I think that if you, if yours does well, I think I might follow and try to do my own. <laughs> I'm the tester. You're the tester for me. Because I would love to write about my own story. But uh, I do want to thank everybody for participating today. I know, Cynthia, it was a little tough for you to hear all that. But you know what? It's good that you're in an environment where we're, we're all safe here. Yeah. We're in a safe environment. I'm not even comfortable with that whole safe word thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, this is, I'm, I'm a person who expects children to address me as Ms. or Mrs. That's okay. And that's okay that we've all had different experiences. And you know what? We're, we're in 2020. The world, yes, is kind of messed up. And we've got coronavirus going around <laughs> everywhere right now. We will be back on What's the Difference. Remember to follow us on Facebook at What's the Difference Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at What's the Difference Podcast. And if you have any questions for us or you want to be a guest on our show, email us at what's the difference podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all three of you for participating in today's episode. Bye. Bye. Adios. Okay, everyone. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.